Hello and welcome to Paul Martin's Audiobooks and Ideas. Today I'm talking about Incorruptible Saints. When I first converted to Catholicism, they told me about the miracle of incorruptible saints, saintly people that had died decades or centuries ago, and I was assured that their bodies were perfectly preserved without refrigeration, without preservatives, without mummification, that they were preserved. And it was proof of supernatural powers that these people had surpassed the consequences of the fall. Um, and so their bodies were, would not decay. I'm going to read an article from the New York Post dated March the 22nd, 2014, and it's entitled Vatican's Secret and Deadly Project to Mummify Saints by Teresa Potenza. It says, inspired by ancient Egypt, the Vatican embarked on a 40-year quest to preserve the remains of its holy adherents, including one of its latest saints, Pope John XXIII. The spiritual making of a saint is rooted in law, bureaucracy, and of course, faith. The physical making of a saint is something else entirely. On April 27, Popes John XXIII and John Paul II will be granted sainthood by Pope Francis. That is in 2014 when this was written. It will be a day to honour two of the Catholic Church's most popular leaders, the good Pope who served only five years and the superstar who toured the world and spoke out against communism, becoming the second longest serving Pope in history. It's also an opportunity to display to the world what has become a tourist attraction under the Vatican. The body of John XXIII, perfectly preserved since his death in 1963, entombed in a glass coffin. The Pope's body is the most prominent example of a four-decade experiment by the Church to sustain its holy relics. With ancient Egypt's mummification process as inspiration, the Vatican had an elite team of embalmers preserve 31 saints beatified and servants of God between 1975 and 2008. The project, which tragically proved fatal to many of those who worked on it, is a bridge between heaven and earth. The bodies and body parts of these holy individuals, says one embalmer, kept like a work of art. The incorruptible. The Catholic belief in incorruptibility holds that if a body does not decay after death, the person is holy. It takes two miracles to become a saint. The church once allowed a perfect corpse to count as one. Incorruptibility is no longer a miracle, however. 
perhaps because so many tried to keep God along, to help God along. Oil and herbs were inserted into the muscle cavities of some older popes, for instance. When Pope Pius XII died in 1958, the Vatican used a wrapping technique similar to what was believed to have been applied to Jesus. It failed miserably. Only days after his death, his nose fell off and a Swiss guard fainted due to the stench while he was guarding the body. Pope John XXIII followed the reign of Pope Pius XII. After his death, John was treated with a similar formulan solution and placed in an airtight layered coffin. It worked remarkably well, though the church wouldn't find that out until decades later. But the Vatican has bigger problems than the bodies of popes. <clears throat> Across the world, the hands, head and feet of saints are venerated, an extension of the idea of the Incarnation. Just as God became man in Jesus, so the holiness of his greatest followers adheres in the matter which made up their bodies. All these relics face the dangers of decomposition. In 1975, Monsignor Gianfranco Noli, director of the Vatican's Egyptian Museum, had an inspiration. After examining the excellent state of 4,000-year-old Egyptian mummies, he believed the church could advance its treatments of popes and saints for the same effect. The Vatican put together a team of researchers which worked to update and improve the mummification process. Medical surgeons, pathologists, radiologists, anthropologists and microbiologists came up with a conservation treatment and began treating the newly deceased and bodies and body parts dating back as far as the 3rd century. Saviour of Saints. The team was called by many congregations to treat bodies of saints that had not previously been embalmed at the time of death and were later found in a state of decay. Such was the case with the body of Saint Clare of Assisi, who died in the 13th century and was found by the nuns working there in 1987 in a casket full of moths. Claire, one of the first followers of St. Francis of Assisi, founded the Order of Poor Ladies, nuns who tended to the impoverished. Today, they are known as the Poor Clares. She had been treated with primitive methods when she died in 1253, with some herbs inserted into her muscles and wrapped in cotton. The cotton proved to be damaging, leaving the casket damp and inviting insects. For that reason, most holy people are now wrapped in linen. The conservation team bathed the saints' bone fragments in a series of solutions for months 
at a time to render her immune to parasites. The team was also called to treat the foot of Saint Teresa of Avila, a nun famous for her visions of Jesus and her devotion to the poor in Spain. Her followers were called discalced or shoeless for their habit of wearing simple sandals, not shoes. Saint Teresa, who died in 1582, is an example of how obsessed earlier Catholics were with relics of the flesh. After her death, a priest cut off her left hand, from which he took a finger, wearing it around his neck for the rest of his life. Followers later removed her heart, right arm, right foot, and a piece of jaw to display as relics in various sites. Much of her ended up in Rome, but in 1984 the church she was displayed in was robbed. The glass case containing her relics was shattered and her foot was stolen. It was returned days later, wrapped in a communist newspaper. <laughs> the embalming team chemically treated the foot and placed it back in the reliquary, perhaps giving St. Teresa a bit of peace. In sacristies and other back rooms of churches, the team was sometimes given a pile of bones that they had to reconstruct before the sterilisation process began. The scientific process was, of course, not without a bit of bureaucracy. In front of the body, upon the opening of each casket, they had to swear to sign an affidavit in the presence of the local bishop and a lawyer that they would not ruin or destroy the sacred body. Even so, the process was sometimes remarkably casual. At times, team members stored relics in their own homes. One doctor assigned to treat the body of Saint Fernando III, King of Spain, who died in 1252, transported his sacred vestments to Rome and brought them to the local dry cleaner. That said, an embalmer who worked on the project says it truly was God's work. She says sometimes the deceased helped them in their work sending them messages. Her most memorable job was embalming Saint Don Luigi Orion, an Italian priest known for his work with the poor and orphans. He tried to change his shoes as she prepared his body for burial, but every time she left the body alone, the new shoes mysteriously had been removed and replaced with his old poor man's shoes. Preserving a Pope The team's most important task was Pope John Twenty-Third. The Pope popular for his jovial nature, was considered pivotal because of his convening of the Second Vatican Council in 1962, which modernised the Mass, bringing in contemporary music 
and local languages instead of Latin. After his death, he was credited for curing an Italian nun who prayed to him when she developed a stomach tumour. Her healing, with no medical explanation, was his first miracle. In 2000, Pope John Paul II had him exhumed to be declared blessed. Part of the progression to sainthood, the airtight coffin, had left him virtually undisturbed, and the embalming team wanted to keep it that way. After the Pope's internal organs were removed and analysed, the body was placed in a stainless steel tube for several weeks in a solution of formulin and alcohol, then neutralised for several weeks. His body then undertook a series of baths in assorted solutions for months at a time including various mixtures of ethanol, methanol, phenol, camphor, nitrobenzene, turpentine and benzoic acid. Finally, the body was bandaged in linen cloths, saturated with a solution of mercury bichloride and ethanol. Then a second team ensconced him with wax on his face and hands. The entire process took about a year. The church decided not to rebury Pope John XXIII, instead putting him on display for pilgrims. More than 25,000 people visit St Peter's Basilica every day, and many faithful still believe the incorrupt state of his body is a miracle. The Congregation for the Causes of Saints, a legal body inside the Vatican that analyses witness accounts and oversees the legal measures required for sainthood, failed to recognise the Pope's bodily condition as a miracle, perhaps because the airtight container does not count as an act of God. <clears throat> but Pope Francis waived the second miracle requirement, believing that John's good works were reason enough. Tragic ends. The embalming team risked their own lives to treat the dead. Shockingly, there is only one survivor from the original team the others have died of various tumours and cancers, likely side effects of the toxic chemicals expended during their work. Nobody is currently willing to assume their task due to the peril. The team's last job was performed in 2008, preparing the body of Pierre Giorgio Frassati, an Italian senator and benefactor, for various charities. There are a number of boys' homes named after him in Australia, so Pope Benedict XVI wanted the body transported to Sydney during his visit there for World Youth Day. But no other Pope besides John XXIII has been mummified. Before his death in 2005, Pope John Paul II 
made the decision not to have his body chemically treated and was buried as popes have been since the 1960s, left with all his organs and placed inside a vacuumed casket and rubbed with formulin. While the state of Pope John Paul II's body will remain a mystery posthumously, he has performed two miracles concerning medical cures of two separate women, the church says, making him technically eligible for sainthood. The contrast in the conditions of the physical bodies of these two divergent popes, one appearing like a pristine wax statue and the other privately concealed in his natural decay, can be no better an example of their differing policies, the liberal John XXIII and the traditional John Paul II. They will be placed side by side in a ceremony the Sunday after Easter and are expected to draw five million people to Rome, a union of science and faith. And it ends by saying, Teresa Potenza is a tour guide and freelance writer based in Rome. So here we see the fraudulent miracles of the Catholic Church. They tell us that they have these well-preserved bodies that are protected from incorruptibility, but instead they copied the mummification of the pharaohs of ancient Egypt and they used uh, modern chemicals like formulin and turpentine to preserve these bodies. Uh, John the 23rd, when he died, they used uh, these all these chemicals and then they put wax over his head. One body that's very suspicious is that of Padre Pio and I have already done a podcast on what a fraud he was but his body is displayed in a church. His face looks reasonably well preserved but his hands have gone black and rotten. That is not an incorruptible saint, my friends. And I love the one about Saint Fernando III, the King of Spain, and a guy took his sacred vestments to the local dry cleaner. <laughs> um, so soaking bodies in masses of solution and then covering them in wax is not a miracle, it's a fraud. And the fact that numerous people involved in that died from tumours and cancers, from the side effects of these chemicals, or to tell you how unethical and wrong this is. And when St John of the Cross died, they dismembered his body so different body parts could be venerated in churches. And then the one about the priest cutting off the hand of Teresa of Avila after she died and using her finger as a good luck charm. It is disgusting and it's grotesque. And the one about Pope Pius XII dying in 1958, they wrapped his body in linen, they expected it to be preserved, and then days later his nose falls off and a Swiss guard faints because of the foul stench. 
what more of a divine sign could they ask for to know that they're doing the wrong thing? Well, what does the Bible say about incorruptible saints? Were the dead to be buried? Or were they to be exposed in churches to bring good luck and blessings to people? Is there any instance, instances in scripture where holy, saintly people that died, they tore their body apart and cut off parts of their body, their organs, their fingers as good luck charms? Did that ever happen? John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Jesus said, Do not marvel at this, for the hour comes in which all that are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This scripture is saying that all people, good or evil, were to be buried awaiting the resurrection. Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 23 says that an executed man, a man who was condemned to death, was still to be buried the same day that he died. They would hang up the body, but then it still had to come down by sundown. Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 says that the holy and the evil alike are to be buried awaiting the resurrection and final judgment. Acts chapter 2 verse 29 says David was buried and laid in a tomb still standing to that time. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19, God said, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. John chapter 19 verse 40 says that Jesus was buried according to Jewish customs. Ezekiel 39 verse 12 says that even the dead of their enemies, it says seven months shall the house of Israel be burying them, that they may cleanse the land. Genesis chapter 23 verses 1 to 20 talks about how Abraham buried Sarah. Genesis chapter 50 verse 7 says Joseph buried his father Jacob. Romans 7 4 says the dead await the resurrection. Jeremiah 16 4 says the dead were not buried as they were under God's curse or judgment. So having an unburied body is not the sign of a blessing, but of a curse. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 12 to 14, we read about how the exposed bones of Saul and Jonathan, which had been displayed by their evil enemies, were taken down and buried by David and his men. Amos chapter 2, verse 1 says, Cremation of the dead was forbidden. Acts chapter 8 verse 2 says devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. Now who was Stephen? He was the man whose face shone like an angel just before he was killed. And he forgave those who martyred him. So he was a holy, saintly man. And even Catholics agree that he was the first martyr. Well... Did they 
strip his body of its flesh and keep his bones as relics? No. Acts 8.2 Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. And Deuteronomy chapter 34 verses 5 and 6 says God himself buried Moses. So how can you argue against what God did? And who was Moses? He was probably the greatest or one of the greatest prophets in all of the Old Testament. And God himself buried him. He didn't give parts of Moses' body as relics for the Israelites to keep for good luck and for blessings and miracles. And then in Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 to 21, we read about the Nazarites. Who were the Nazarites? They were a holy order of people set up for holiness. And one of their requirements was not to go near a dead person, lest he be defiled. Numbers 6, 6. And in chapter 9, verse 12, it says it was a sin to go near a dead body for the Nazarites. So all these pilgrims in Rome lining up to go near the corpses of these saints who have been preserved through formulan and mummification methods, that is not pleasing to God. And Matthew chapter 27 verses 52 to 53 says tombs were opened and several holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after the resurrection of Jesus, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. So even the holiest saints were buried. They weren't put out on display in the synagogues or the temple. So in conclusion, there is not one single example in centuries of biblical history of a holy saint having their bones or supposedly incorrupt corpse left unburied and out on display for good luck or blessings or miracles. All of the dead were to be buried, and this includes holy people recognised as such by the Catholic Church, like Stephen and King David and Samson. So finally, what are the arguments that Catholics use for displaying corpses. Well, we find that in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 21, that um, these wicked men threw a dead body into Elisha's tomb. And he came back to life after touching Elisha's bones. So what's the response to that? Well, the response is to say Elisha was still buried. He was in a tomb. And this is not a command to display corpses or to touch them. It's not commanded by God. It was an unusual miracle in an unusual, exceptional situation. Other arguments are made that relics are holy, such as Acts chapter 5, 15 and 16 says that Peter's shadow healed people. And Acts 19, 11 and 12 says that Paul's handkerchief healed people. The response is, again, these do not justify displaying corpses in church and not burying the dead. 
And while Paul had a miraculous handkerchief, it no longer exists. And Peter is dead and gone, so we can't go to his shadow for miracles. And nor does this justify centuries of fraudulent relics displayed in Catholic and Orthodox churches. What about other arguments? Well, I've met Catholic apologists who have told me that when Polycarp died, his body was burned and the Catholics preserved his bones as more precious than jewels. And therefore they were keeping the bones of Polycarp as relics. This is what Catholic apologists claim. However, a little bit of fact-checking actually debunks that. Now, who was Polycarp? He was a martyr who lived in the early 2nd century. And the fact-check is they're actually quote-mining. The primary source is the martyrdom of Polycarp. It was written about 160 AD. And it says that the pagan centurion burned his corpse. In the Martyrdom of Polycarp, chapter 18, verses 1 to 3, um, Christians believed in burying the dead, not cremating them, but he was martyred by burning, and his body was burned. And then the Christians gathered the remains of his burned body, his bones, which they regarded as more precious than jewels, and they put them in a suitable burial. So, according to tradition, Polycarp is buried in a tomb in Smyrna, Turkey. So, the early church simply got the remains of his corpse and buried them. They didn't keep them as good luck charms or for uh, displaying in church. So, it says the complete opposite of what the Catholics and Orthodox churches do with displaying corpses in their churches. So I'm sorry, but the Orthodox and Catholic churches are based on fraudulent claims of preserving the bodies of supposedly saintly men. But we find the early church in the first and second centuries did not display bodies in churches. They buried them, as the Bible says. Thank you for listening. And God bless.